Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. We're going to have a wonderful hour coming up with the Blooms. John and Pam Bloom are in studio. We call this Deep Thinker Thursday. And according to my calculations, it is, in fact, Thursday. And this is the first time in 2020 the Blooms are here, so I'm very excited. We talk about prayer today, and I frankly can never get enough discussion about prayer. I know it's on all of our minds, and we think about it, talk about it, and uh, we're going to learn a lot about it today from them. So we just want you to know that there's ever a time in the hour that you have a question or you have a point that you would like um, clarified, you can always just send me a text and I will ask on your behalf. 877-93-FAITH is the number, 877-93-FAITH. And you can uh, go ahead and text a question anytime. So let's take 60 seconds and then bring on the blooms. We live in a connected world, but no advancement in technology can offer real peace, hope, or encouragement. You can use technology to stay connected to the true source of life, God, when you download the free Faith Radio Network app. The app allows you to listen to previously aired programs, read articles, and listen to the live stream. Search for Faith Radio Network in your app store to download the free Faith Radio Network app today. Connecting your faith to your everyday life. I appreciate the constant biblical knowledge. I'm a stay-at-home mom, so reading the Bible can be tough because I can't sit down and read very often. So Faith Radio is definitely my um, place to get the word. Uh, Faith Radio, um, just listening to the programs, it's just very much inspiration to me. We're sharing each day together. On Faith Radio. Joined in studio by John and Pam Bloom. You probably know the Blooms well because they're a monthly guest on the show, and I just love every time they come in. It's like we do church when they come in. And John is a co-founder um, and writer at DesiringGod.org. If you head over there, you'll see a lot of his writing, and I promise you will uh, you'll love all of it. So we're going to talk about three uh, different uh, articles, and really the whole subject of today's uh, hour is going to be on prayer. And I know you've had times in your life when you just can't pray. Maybe anxiety is too high. Maybe you're just at a place where you can't settle your mind and your heart. And yet we know we need to pray and we have a hard time doing it. So we're going to investigate this today. John, Pam, welcome to the show. Thank you. 2020, here we are. Thanks, Bill. Good to be here. Yeah, it's really good to be here. All right, John Let's and Pam, let's start um, about pursuing joy in every prayer. Who wants to start? Well, well, when Pam and I were discussing what we should suggest uh, for this segment or this uh, this this month, prayer is often something that that's talked about. You know, it's January, so new resolves, um, 
to pray. Some, you know, oftentimes people are kicking off new efforts to, you know, read the Bible and pray and and incorporate those disciplines into their into their lives in new ways, fresh ways. Um, and uh, what we thought we'd do is talk about prayer. And really, um, because discouragement is something that is frequently a part of our lives, what do you do when you feel really discouraged, um, when you feel discouraged about prayer and when and you're not sure God's answering prayers or, 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 the, or things that you're, you know, you're asked for things and things are unexpected that happen in your life and you're like, you, and you get disoriented um, or you're, you just feel like you're, you're, you're hitting a wall and you need a breakthrough. So those are the, th- those are the three things that we feel like we'd like to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we thought as we're, as you're listening to us, um, we even thought about maybe proposing taking the hour to pray, but maybe while you're listening, this could even be a facilitated prayer. Like as you're hearing something that's striking you, like turn it into a, a mental prayer. Like this is a holy time it can be communion with God as we talk and listen to this. And as you're talking about circumstances and things that we pray for, it may not even be in that being answered in the way we expect. And we'll get more to that later. But we're really turning our focus on who we're praying to. We're praying to God and he is the source of our joy. In the things that we're praying for, we are wanting more joy like we're wanting the things that are going to make us happy. He is the one. So he could answer all our prayers. And if we don't grow closer to him and know him, we're missing it. We're, we're not really looking for just the answers. And then we're looking in, in different expressions that it's not joy just in, in worship or um, happy prayers. But God shows us in many kinds of prayers which we'll talk about, we're pursuing our joy in him. And maybe what we should do first is not talk about it, but, but do it. Let me just pray. I love, I, love, I love that. Lord, you know where each person is at right now. And some of us are at very low places. And just talking about prayer is itself a discouragement. I feel like giving up. Come and meet us right where we are at. Help our souls to, to long again for you and in every prayer to express our longing for you and to pursue our joy in you in every prayer as difficult as the expression might be. Come and meet us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um the, the first thing is this idea what are we pursuing in prayer you know god is not a means to some other end right i mean if god is god he's the end of of all things he's the source of all things and so when we what we want when we are asking for joy is we're asking for more of him and so um when we are praying you know we're often praying for, for lots of different things um and uh, that's fine god tells us to do that but ultimately, what we're wanting is Him, right? We're wanting Him. And why do we want God? Because we want to be happy. 
And when I mean, and I don't mean flippant happiness. A lot of people, when they hear that, is they think of superficial happiness, like what you feel like when you're, you know, having a cup of coffee or or whatever. And you know, I'm not talking about superficial happiness. I'm talking about the deep soul longing for satisfaction, which is what everybody deeply wants. And God means to be the satisfaction of our souls. And so He is the goal of every prayer. Uh, David says in Psalm 1611, he says, you make known to me the path of life. God, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forever. And so we're, we're seeking that. We're seeking an abundant life in God. That's what, we, that's what we're after. We want to see more of his glory. We want to experience more of his strength. We want more of his help. And we want to feel more joy. And that, and we should want to. I mean, um, it's not wrong to ask God for, for joy. But the thing is, is that, is that when you read the Bible, you, you find out, I mean, the, the prayers of the Bible are so diverse. I mean, they cover the whole spectrum of human experience. And, um, you know, you got, you got some, some prayers in the Bible that are full of, like, their sweet adoration and strong declarations of faith or songs of exultant joy and some great victory. But there's also prayers of perplexity over God's ways. Like, they don't, like, like, what are you doing, God? And there are groaning prayers and suffering, and there's confession of sin, grievous sin, and there's deep laments in the Bible. And the question is, could even these difficult prayers help that help voice our anguish to God and our confusion in, in very painful seasons. Are, when we're doing that, like, are we coming to God as, as the source of our joy? And I think we are. I think in every prayer, when we come to God, because what are we doing? We're coming to the fountain of all things. We're coming to him as uh, our exceeding joy. It says in Psalm 43, our exceeding joy. And so uh, I just want to take a couple, uh, just some looks at some, at a couple of uh, biblical prayers. In Psalm 63, what we have is David saying, um, you know, because your steadfast love, Lord, is better than life, my lips will praise you. And so I will bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich foods, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. So that sounds like it's sweetly savoring God. And he says, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. That's Psalm 84. Um, my soul faints for the courts of the, of the Lord. My soul faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That's back to Psalm 63. So this is in our longing and in our fainting. And we're often in that feeling like I am, I feel like I am fainting. Like I don't have energy. I'm longing and I, we're going often to the prayers of God's deliverance. Like we want to rejoice again that we, our God does deliver. And so we look to Psalm 40. Verse 1 and 2, I wait patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to, and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction and out of the miry bog and set my feet on the rock. 
He Can makes I? my... St- oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Uh, go ahead, Pam. It just goes on to say he put he makes my steps secure. So where we feel like we are not, he is the one we're calling out, like, make my steps secure. Help me rejoice and be glad in you and to know the joy of my salvation. So how can you rephrase the verse, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord? Can you explain that? It's, it is, the, um, the psalmist is, at that point, um, he is re- removed from the courts of the Lord for some circumstantial reason. He could okay. be under persecution or he's away, but he's, it's, he's thinking of the temple. So this is, remember, this is the Old Testament context. He's longing, though, for the kind of sweet worship that, that he has tasted before. And, um, and so he's, so he said, my soul faints, like, um, he's, he's, it feels like, like, oh, I just want you. I just want to be near to you. It's a, it's a great longing. It's a longing feeling that you, like, that you've had when you've tasted it before and you want it again. So it's kind of a, it's sort of a sweet longing. Okay. A sweet longing. It's not. That's helpful. You know, there's some desperation, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of a sweet longing. Yeah. All right, I'm going to take a little break. John and Pam Bloom are my guests in studio. We call this Deep Thinker Thursday. We're talking about prayer all hour. So let me know if you have any thoughts or questions or they say something you need clarification on. All you do is text me, 877-933-2484. I'll get your question asked. For being with me today. John and Pam Bloomer in studio. We call this Deep Thinker Thursday. We're talking about prayer. Let's go back to, uh, is it Psalm 84? Actually, we're going to move on a move little on. bit okay. here, I think. So we, there's this kind of sweet longing, my soul faints for you. Uh, that's a kind of prayer that, that sometimes we pray. Another time is, is when we do, when we feel like we've lost joy. We've lost joy and, we, and we're praying, God, revive our joy. That's Psalm 85. That's the next Psalm. Okay. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. So what, are they, what does the, the psalmist want? Well, in this context, he wants for the, for the people of Israel who are experiencing God's indignation. Something has happened. Um, or, and that's just, to us, it doesn't mean that, God, you know, that, we're, that we're necessarily under God's punishment or, or discipline or something like that, but we've lost joy and, and we want to experience it again. Um, we, it's a longing, God, and, and with a, with, it's a pursuit of joy in God because we're looking to him as that source of joy. And so, um, but sometimes it is because we have sinned and something has, has, our sin has given us a sense of alienation from God. And that's what David was experiencing in Psalm 51 when he says, God have mercy on me. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercies, blot out my transgressions and wash me from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin and restore to me the joy of your salvation. So even when we are in repentant grief and feel regret, God is still honored when we seek our satisfaction. We come to him humbly um, and, uh, and we're asking him to restore our joy. And then 
I think we want to also look at the kinds of prayers where we just are honestly feeling forsaken by God. We're not seeing answers or our circumstances are heavy and we feel severely afflicted or we're walking with those who who are and we're we're learning to pray with them and not be trivial with it but really pause and 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 go with our friends in their dark places and and sit with them and bring bring hope and so we're it's modeled in Psalm 22 my god my god why have you forsaken me it's okay to ask why are you so far from saving me and my words from my words of my groaning oh my god i cried by day and you do not answer and by night i do i find no rest so where there's insomnia from anxiety where there's it's thoughts and fears that haunt us day and night and we're not seeing answers we're called to keep praying and what's what's important to note is this is the same guy this is david so david's the one who wrote you know um psalm 84 i believe um you know my soul he wrote psalm 63 my soul longs for you um my flesh faints for you is in a dry and weary land where there is no water he's got that sweet longing here he feels forsaken by God. And this is the psalm that Jesus quotes. On my the cross. God, yes. Why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. And so it's a biblical thing to pray. There are those seasons. It's real. Mm-hmm. It's real. People really experience this, and the Bible gives us language for it. And permission, which, right? And Which is permission. Yeah. To, to, I mean, it's not, it's not what we long for. But it's, it's part of the human experience. It's on the option menu. It's part of the human experience. And let me go one step further before we jump into something else. Psalm 88 um, is probably the most desolate prayer in the Bible. I agree. There's, it's, you can say that um, it almost is a psalm devoid of hope. I say almost because it's not completely devoid of hope. You, you, we Pretty hear close. a flicker <laughs> In the prayer's opening words, when he says, Oh, Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. Now, this is what Psalm 88 is what depression feels like. That's what, I mean, this is a, this is a person in deep depression, long term. Mm-hmm. You can tell by it, and uh, which means it's part of the human experience. I mean, God includes this sort of thing. If, if any of us were going to, you know, Put put the the songbook together of the scriptures. Would we have put Psalm eighty eight in there? Would we be like, well, that's pretty. That's a downer. God puts it in there. Why? Because this is this is people's experience. There are times when it gets so dark that we wonder, and yet, and yet, we cry out. When we cry out to Him, it does honor Him because we're still coming to Him as the the source of light, and we're asking Him. Even in desperation, let my prayer come before you and incline your ear to my cry and, hang, and give help to me. There are no easy answers for those. And Pam and I don't sit here talking about prayer as any experts on it. We struggle with everybody else in, 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 in our lives of prayer. And we go through these kinds of seasons. I know what desolation feels like and deep depression. I know what, what, what acute anxiety feels like and all those kinds of things. And so I've, I feel with those who are 
are experiencing it right now. And, uh, and if, if somebody's in a time of, of deep spiritual darkness and it just isn't lifting, um, if you go to the DesiringGod.org site, there's a, there's a little booklet that you can find. It's called When the Darkness Will Not Lift by John Piper. When the Darkness Will Not Lift. And it's a very, very helpful resource full of seasoned, wise, gentle biblical counsel for unrelenting darkness. And so I just, I just want to say the Bible is very realistic about prayer, and that's why it when in the, in the various prayers of the Bible, we just, it covers the range of human experience and what we're after in our prayers. The way we glorify God is by coming to him as the one we know is the source of all things. And we are asking him to give us what we need. So I like how you ended that article. You said in all the diversity of prayer, the scripture is showing us how to pray at all times. In all seasons, in praise or lament, in adoration or confession, that we're seeking a deeper satisfaction in him. It is God who has the power, the authority, the wisdom, the grace, goodness, righteousness, the mercy, all wealth, anything else that we need. It's in God alone. He is the source of our joy and the spring of our salvation. So that's where we will continually look and find our satisfaction. And if not fully here eventually in fullness in his presence. It'll happen. And in those moments of feeling that God is not with you, that's just your feeling because, because God has not abandoned you and the darkness you're feeling is not absolute and total and right. permanent. Right. Um, I have a, a, um, an article that we're not talking about here now, but, but it is at the site. It's called when God's, when God seems silent, where I address that issue, it's a phenomenological experience. It's not what the way it is. It's the way it feels. It's the way it appears to us, but it isn't the way it is. So sometimes our perspectives are are really heavily affected by all sorts of different things, and uh, and and uh, and it can feel like God has abandoned us, and when he and, and that he's silent. Um, but we, that's when we really need, not, I mean, not only the word, but we really need other people. We need other people <laughs> as a means of grace and bringing in some trusted people to help us uh, weather some of those, those prolonged desolate seasons. And you can help me with the title. There's a book that we read recently that was very helpful, When Darkness is my, Seems My Dearest Friend. Yeah. And there was a reference in By there. By Mark Minnell. Mark Minnell. Um, and which maybe we can all, link that in the show notes. Which is, which is about depression. Okay. A lot, somebody who, it, from somebody who is, experiences it when darkness seems my closest friend. Okay. We're going to take a little break. John and Pam Bloom are my guests in studio, and we're uh, talking about prayer. I think when we come back, we're going to talk about the unexpected answers of God. Does that sound reasonable? All right, they're nodding yes. That's a good sign for me. All right, we'll take a little break. We'll be right back.
Hey, Welcome back to the show. We've got John and Pam Bloom in studio with Deep Thinker Thursday. Loving this. We're talking about prayer. I know there's some people who have just climbed in their car and they want to get caught up, so maybe you could summarize before we move on. So the, this first segment that we just had talked about the, the various ways the Bible gives us language for prayer and how, how in all those various things from sweet longing prayers and celebratory prayers and ad, adoration prayers all the way to deep, desperate um, prayers where people feel forsaken or feel just left in the dark of depression. The Bible gives all those language for all those kinds of prayers that, that humans experience and, uh, and helps us to pursue him as our, as our great ultimate joy, even when you don't feel joy. So that's kind of the, that was the first segment. Okay. The second one, again, let's just remember what we're talking about. Um, there's a lot to say about prayer. And so what we're really focusing on are ways that people can be discouraged in prayer and what God may be doing. All right. That's, that's what this se- segment is about is, is we can be praying for things and then we might receive answers that we don't recognize as answers at first. And so it's, so this is just a way of trying to encourage people when you might be tempted to be discouraged and God is actually beginning to answer things that you've been praying for. And so, you know, Jesus makes this stunning, sweeping, glorious promise to us in John chapter 16, when he says, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, ask or whatever you ask of the father in my name, he will give it to you until now. You've asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Well, that's a wonderful promise. And God will ultimately be, be true to his promise. Um, but we might go on and ask for things because we want the full joy that God is offering us. We don't, we're not wanting, you know, the trivial joy of fleshly things. Um, we, we, uh, we're asking for greater faith, greater love, holiness, God, more wisdom, more discernment, more experience of your grace and boldness and joy. And, uh, and those prayers can be sincere, and God loves to answer them. But we often don't know ourselves very well or the depth of just the pervasiveness of our sin and what it really requires um, when God be of of us when God begins to answer our prayer. So we, t- we can often have ideal or romantic imaginations of what, how God is going to answer these prayers. And then we get confused when answers start coming and they don't look like answers. They look like difficulty and soul wrestling and, and disappointment and things. And so I just want to say, these are, these are the unexpected answers of God. And so let's just, let's just look at some ways that God may be answering and maybe this will help you spot some things in your own life uh, that you don't currently recognize as answers. So you can, we, if we ask God for greater love for him, what might we expect to receive? Well, we might receive answers that give us greater awareness of our deep and pervasive sinful depravity because those who are forgiven much love much, and those who are forgiven little, love little. But when you first experience that sense of greater, greater sense of sinfulness, you may not recognize God answering your prayers. And we might ask God 
to help us love our neighbors as ourselves. And then we might find the unusual, unexpected answer that we're drawn attention to a neighbor that is actually um, inconveniencing us and is we're finding finding irritating. It might be someone in our family, someone we work with, a, a real neighbor, but that does not look like an answer. But it is an opportunity to love, and for us to find our selfishness in it and say, like, I'm realizing I need to be forgiven, and that's where I'm finding God's love. He's answering. It just is an unlikely place. We could, we might be asking God for more sense of His nearness. Because we know that the Bible says it's good for us to be near God. Psalm 73. But we might receive answers that, that um, break our hearts in some way. For God is near to the brokenhearted. I don't mean God is trying to be mean. I'm just saying that, that God in his wisdom, if God is near to the brokenhearted, um, there might be areas of our lives where we need a sense of brokenness. And, and draw near to him in an unusual way. And we might say, God, I, I want to know more of your grace. What does grace mean? Can you show me? And he gives us an experience that is actually very humbling, where our pride is exposed. This happened to me recently, and it it's hard to overcome. I can feel condemned in it. But I have a fresh experience of God's grace in my sin and in my mistake where I hurt someone. So it's an opportunity to be humble, right? Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Um, We might ask God, God, satisfy us with yourself so that we're not so easily satisfied by the world's mud puddles, as C.S. Lewis would say. Um, And what kind of answers might we receive? we, We might receive answers that cause us to be increasingly aware of evil, and suffering and the injustices of the world because those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. We might ask for greater wisdom and discernment. Don't we all have examples when you ask for wisdom, you have a really difficult situation that's confusing and it's mind-bending to figure out and you are like, I have no human capacity to figure this out. I need your wisdom. And he's answering by the trouble that we have that we can't figure out alone. So he helps us to distinguish good from evil, like Hebrews 5 says. Now, if we ask God to increase our faith, um, what might we expect to receive? That's a great question. And this is something that I have done and have a fair amount of experience in. We might expect to be repeatedly put into situations where we discover that our perceptions are not trustworthy so that we are forced to trust Christ's promises because we walk by faith and not by sight. So in other words, we might be put into positions repeatedly where we have to trust God's promises over our perceptions. And we might be asking God, help us to manage our money well and that we would not love money, but we would use our money well. And maybe there is a need, but we might get an answer from him that, gives us like even more opportunities to share our money where it already feels thin and it, we could feel like our resources are depleted. There might be a job loss. We might have lost some money or, or uh, someone near to us needs it and we like, we hold it loosely. So the 
the answer can be in a very unexpected and like heart exposing way that it is a graceful answer. And when we are asking for our joy to be made more full and to experience more happiness in God, um, we might receive answers that at first cause earthly joys that we once thought were gained to us to feel more empty and hollow um, and push us to search for the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, as Paul said. So he, he, he got to the place where he counted everything that he once caught, felt was gained to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. Now, I just want to say, we're just saying, so giving you some suggestions so that you don't grow discouraged and weary because um, God can begin to answer and those answers don't look like answers. Like they're not what we envisioned when we asked for it, but they are the means through which we are being led that direction. And so I'm just, we're just trying to give some sense of that so that you're not overly discouraged. That, that in, when it comes to God, um, and we're not saying that God loves to be mean, to do answer in mean ways. See, that's not his point. His point is to, to say yes to deeper joy by redirecting us from, from places where we've oriented ourselves and need reorientation. Anyone who's familiar with your writing or speaking knows that you pray whatever it takes prayers. And as I've watched you pray them, I've read your list, prayed some with you, and also felt like, John, maybe don't pray all those because I see how they're answered and they're challenging. They are, they are unexpected and disorienting results sometimes. But where my flesh goes, oh, don't pray that it might get answered in a way that's uncomfortable. I should, I've learned and I'm learning still to welcome those prayers, to trust God, that I really do in the end love the answers. They're, they're hard, but they really show more of what God is like and make me happier in the end. And so we're encouraging you, don't hold back from praying those, but you might them. want to after mm-hmm. hearing that. And, and, and if that's where you end up, that's really the missing us missing the point yes. and probably not doing a good job of the, the point is that. So here's here's the principle from Hebrews um, 12, 11. All discipline for the moment seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That's that's what we're talking about. If we need to be disciplined, we we want to be disciplined if we really want more joy. And, um, and God is a loving father in that way. So what about preparing your heart to understand, recognize, and receive God's answer? If you've prayed and asked for God to have a specific outcome and you don't see it happen the way you prayed, where your heart is still open to receiving the way in which God is answering it versus walking away going, God didn't answer my prayer once again. Yeah. Well, that's what that's one of the reasons why we wanted to walk through that is is to give people a different way of looking at things, to help them um, always pray and not lose heart, as Jesus said, or as was said about Jesus. So he, he told a parable um, about prayer, um, a couple of parables, like the, the the widow who wouldn't give up on the judge, right, and the neighbor who would kept knocking on his neighbor's door, you know, asking for 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 bread for a guest. He told them those parables so that we would always pray and not lose heart because we're tempted to lose heart. And that's where we must be familiar with the Bible because the Bible gives all sorts of 
examples of these of God's counterintuitive ways so that we aren't simplistic when we are dealing with him. Um, so I find it interesting that you say that when God starts to answer our prayers, we find his answers oftentimes disorienting. It can be. Yeah. Can, yeah. They can be. They're not always. You don't but, know. But, I, I get it. But they can be. But he's, he is reorienting our heart and our expectations. So we think we know what a good answer would look like. Exactly. And he, he's we saying, always know that, don't we? <laughs> we need the reorientation. It's not, God, you are disorienting. It, it can feel like that. Like, God, what are you doing? This is the way a good God would act. Oh, I guess you are God and you get to decide. Mm-hmm. It's a surrender. It, and it, it's being honest with him. Like, you are disappointing me and you're reappointing my, my mind, adjusting me. And we, and we need to do it in community. I was remembering as we were talking earlier, like we're helping each other discern what's real and not real. Yes. What, remembering what God is like when he's accused in our heads. We're not like intentionally accusing him, but we're questioning, like, is he really trustworthy? Look what's happening. I, I don't know. And then we're re- reviewing stories of past faithfulness and counting on future grace. And, we often need other people to, yes. to tell us remind us what's real. Uh, on our own, when we're isolated, um, we, we, our whole understanding of reality can be out of whack. Yeah. Well when, when we are isolated, when we are isolated, um, I mean, anxiety and uh, fear and sinful desire and Temptations toward despair. All those things are distorters. They, they 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 put a cast on reality that distorts things, and they but they look and feel real. Mm-hmm. So so we can't be just going through this in isolation. If we're in isolation, we are probably going to get things wrong because we are trusting in um, our own understanding. Part part of trusting in the Lord with all our heart, not leaning on our own understanding, is. Being willing to let some trusted people who are wise uh, walk with us and help us know what's real and not real. Mm-hmm. All right, let me take a little break. John and Pam Bloomer in studio. We call this Deep Thinker Thursday. We're talking about prayer. We've been at it all hour. If you missed any of it, go to myfaithradio.com and you can hear it right from the beginning. We'll be right back. John and Pam Bloom in studio talking about uh, prayer today. And I think uh, let's shift our focus a little bit, not to get off the subject of prayer, but what about when you're praying for a breakthrough? Is that a fair question? Yeah. So again, so so three encouragements to discouraging situa- um, experiences in prayer. Okay? okay. So that's what we're doing. The first segment was about what what how do you pray um, in in faithful ways, when life is difficult, okay, and so we talked about the, how the Bible gives us language for prayers. Second one is um, God may be answering in ways that we aren't recognizing right now, and so it's 
we we tried to get cover some some ways that God might be answering and and we can begin to see them if we if we look at them um with you know bible influenced lenses or bible lenses okay so that was the second segment um the unexpected answers of god and then this third one is praying for breakthroughs so so because this is another reality we see it in the bible there you know there are there are these intense times of prayer leading to breakthroughs and um and sometimes prevailing prayer is in um, which is an older term for it, prevailing prayer is called upon to make breakthroughs. It might be a personal breakthrough in our lives or breakthrough into some kingdom advance. Um, so a breakthrough, a breakthrough is is a military concept. <clears throat> so when, a, when an army is able to weaken its enemy's forces at a point of collapse, then a breakthrough occurs. That's That's the idea. And it allows the army then to in, invade that territory. It's, they've, they've been able to break through a line or a stronghold. But, a, but in a war, um, a breakthrough only matters if it occurs at some strategic place in the war. Right? And the evidence that a location is strategic is almost always revealed by the amount of enemy forces that are amassed at that place to protect it. Right, a, an army is not going to protect something that doesn't really matter to it. They're going to protect what matters most, and so an army led by a skilled general or generals, they're going to ferociously protect what it, it prizes most highly. So that's the idea. And so an invading army, <laughs> if you're going to make a breakthrough at an important place, you can expect fierce opposition. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. So if you're experiencing fierce opposition, there's probably some strategy that you're, you know, in that area. I mean, there's something's going on there. There's there's reason why that means something to the enemy forces. Strategic ground is not yielded easily. That's the idea. Okay, so um, it's as true with spiritual warfare, obviously, as it is with earthly or terrestrial warfare. And if the church, which it is, is an invading force in the kingdom and Satan's territory, then we're going to need to expect that um, that there's going to be significant opposition in places that are strategically important to the enemy's strongholds. So we got to keep that in mind. We're praying for breakthroughs, and when we're, and we when things aren't moving, aren't moving, aren't moving, then that's when we need to get um, determined, not faint-hearted or, you know, just give up. So that analogy of, of war translates to the church, where the church is to be an invading force, where we we might easily slip into a defensive circle, the wagons kind of mindset, but Jesus intends us to be assertive, aggressive, not merely deten- atten- um, defenders. We have a commission. We've been commissioned to go and make disciples of all nations in a world that lies in the power of the evil one, and it's using military language, that our mission is to liberate those who the devil has taken captive to do his will. And we must keep in mind that there's a, there's a strategy, and it's not, um, this war is not, this land is not easily yielded. So whether we're bad, battling for breakthroughs against our own sin or unbelief of a of a loved one 
as I was preparing, I was even thinking like these listeners are familiar with this where there's a lot of opposition. You People in ministry, if you're praying for a loved one who's not saved, like there is opposition against you. We are familiar and we need to be reminded of this analogy. We are on a, a missional advance. Church planters know this well. Those who are reaching unreached people. If you are... Um, rescuing persecuted believers, rescuing orphans, adoption, sex slaves, the unborn. We're all up against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And we don't know exactly what that means, except that these forces are very strong. And so um, we just have a couple minutes left. And so we're going to just want, I just want to try to leave our listeners with um, just some encouragement here because the consistent pattern throughout the Bible is this. Every significant move of God is always preceded by some season of increasing difficulty and discouraging opposition. It just, that's just the pattern. Um, And it looks often like things are like, it's like things are falling apart, not, not coming together. We just, we, we need to not give up too soon. Like don't believe just the way things are. Look, we have to we have to develop that that mindset because otherwise we'll just give up easily. But you know, we see like in Daniel ten, that's one of the most clear examples of of warfare in the Bible, where you got this messenger who comes to Daniel after Daniel's fasted for twenty one days, and he explained to him there's there's been this 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 spiritual warfare going on. Um, there's things going on outside of our view um, that are intense. And uh, and Daniel fasted and prayed, and and help was given. And we see, you know, in Ephesians six, that's another famous warfare kind of a uh, of exhortation. Paul says, you know, take up all, you know, put on all the the armor of God because we live in evil days, so we can stand in evil days. The enemy is fortified in his places, and there's fierce fighting. And and I don't claim to know. Like all how how it all works and and why it all happens that way, but the Bible makes it clear that that's that's true, and we're going to be attacked. Like if we start taking advances, we're gonna we're gonna be attacked in different ways. We're gonna receive flaming darts, Ephesians six. We're gonna be attacked on the rear and on the side. We're gonna be out try to be outflanked. There's gonna be jeering and in- intimidation. There's gonna be accusations. There's gonna be depression. There's gonna be sense of you know God you know accusation. God's gonna, God is angry at you and um, God doesn't exist and all kinds of things that start coming out to try to destroy morale and weaken faith and weaken determination. And we just want to say, you know, that's, that is so much of life is hard and, and, and in the spiritual warfare um, in this world is hard, but this is, this is a call for breakthrough determination to say, I'm not, I'm going to not give up, but I'm going to keep praying and not lose heart. Luke 18, 1. Because like any large-scale war, there just are many battles. And some breakthroughs, they might happen quickly, and others don't. They, they require a long, persevering kind of endurance. And usually breakthroughs are not achieved. We've, this is a theme on prayer, and we can't underemphasize prayer, right. but we we don't want to emphasize it alone. That it also is going to require works to be done and courage to be exercised. 
there's real spiritual breakthroughs that are not achieved just through prayer. So we need concentrated prayer, and we ought to rally together after hearing this. Like, let's pray in twos and threes and in our churches and not talk about our problems, but pray about them. And then we, um, we also want to reference if someone would like to explore more on prayer. John Piper's written in his book, Hunger for God on Fasting, that that would be another thing to add to our, our prayer discussion and our, our yeah, spiritual because, habits. Because the Bible clearly connects um, fasting with um, breakthrough kind of praying. We see it repeatedly in the scriptures. And, uh, and so John has a good, John's book, Hunger for God, is about fasting and prayer. Like, what's the fasting's rule? Mm-hmm. And so if you're praying for a breakthrough and not seeing it, um, just want to, in fact, you're experiencing more temptations. We just want to say, don't give up. Don't give up. Increase your sense of determination. Don't lose heart. Grow determined because um, we believe there will be a breakthrough ahead. Thank you so much, John and Pam, for being here. I love Deep Thinker Thursday. I know our listeners do, too. It's been great seeing you again and having you in studio. It's been good to be here. Yeah, that wraps up our show for the day. Thanks to the guys for coming in for Guy Talk and the Blooms for being here. What a great couple hours. If you missed any of it, you're going to want to go to MyFaithRadio.com. Go to the Afternoons with Bill show page, and you can hear it all of it right from the beginning. I hope you have a great night. God bless. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.